Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. So sad in one sense that you're not here, but I'm grateful that we've learned as a church to trust God and our own online church actually counts. Remember that, it actually counts. And we're all uh, worshiping together today. I hope you've enjoyed your holiday. I know you put your holiday pounds on. I have, um, but that just means we enjoyed our family. We enjoyed worshiping our savior. We enjoyed ourselves. And, and I pray that uh, when we get into this word that you will actually uh, be able to see something more clearly about Jesus than ever before. Lord, I pray as we get into your word that you would help us, you would lead us and guide us into the truth we need to know. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word, your people would see you more clearly, follow you more nearly, and love you more dearly. Now, Lord, I ask that you would uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength. You're my redeemer and every glad and happy heart say amen. Now, whether you're sitting here, which no one really is, or if you are at home sitting on your couch, comfy in your pajamas, but you're with the ones you love, just turn to them and say, I love you and God loves you too. And don't forget Pastor James, he loves you as well. All right. Um, you know, as we get into what I want to talk about today, you know, the new uh, Wonder Woman movie came out. And one of the things that I'm convinced of is that in our society, we are obsessed with superheroes. And you know, almost any superhero will do. Um, you find that in this life, we need somebody to lean on, to depend on, to show up when times get bad. In fact, we will identify something as heroic, which really isn't heroic, but it was just a great effort because we're that desperate for a hero or a shero. Somebody to step in and save us. I also uh, think, though, that we understand that our heroes have some form of fallibility or some form of, of weakness, some kryptonite that always makes them great and good, but not good enough. They, they, they tend at some point to fall short, even though they're a superhero. For some of us, the superhero might be, uh, for instance, your physician. Because if you, you have an ailment, um, you want them to save you from it. And, and they do a great job, but perhaps they can't get everything. For some of you, it's your mommy or your daddy or your, uh, the parental guardian in your life. But no matter how good they are at clothing you or sheltering you, they somehow don't always have everything you need, but we'll still call them a hero because the effort, you know, is somehow good. See, I feel like we have been entering into this hero fatigue where we've been conditioned to believe we're going to be saved from something by someone or something external but it always has a catch. And we always seem to come up 
a little bit short. And so what psychologically happens is you don't really believe in heroes. <laughs> you just want one. And you'll settle, because it's so important, for almost any type of action or activity that gives you an effort to save you. You know, there is a desperate need in humanity to be saved. There is trouble in this world, and you can name it here in Brentwood or Nashville, Tennessee, when the bombing just happened. You start saying, where is the hero, the guardian, the investigator? You want someone to show up and save the day. But you applaud the effort because deep down we've been fatigued and conditioned to believe we won't really be saved. Tough, isn't it? Do you feel that way right now? Have you felt that way in the past? Now, the best thing I can do, if you've ever touched on that type of emotion or feeling of hope in someone that will ultimately fall short, and you're wondering out there, is there still a hero left? I believe when we, 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 we look today at the Word, we'll get a glimpse at maybe someplace we can look and not experience that disappointment. And, and, and what, is, what, what is real living once you know that heroism really does exist? You know, there's a de debate in my home all the time about who's the greatest superhero of all time. I think that debate it's one we should have in our minds. I want you to listen to this message with that in mind. Who's your greatest hero, you know? Mine tends to change based upon discovering greater heroes, but I want you to keep that in mind today. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Um, we'll go to chapter 5. I know it's very difficult sometimes when you hear in church, let's turn to the book of Revelation, because if you're anything like me, you've been told to stay out of that book. This book is not for you. This is for the very learned, the very scholarly. This, this book has imagery and that is terrifying, and almost every negative movie is apocalyptic in nature and, and indestructive in nature. And so this is the book you ignore as if it's not in the Bible because there are too many things that somehow can't be explained. But if you were to ignore this book, you may never see a hero. Let's look, let's start at the first verse. And I'm going to read, but I want you to read along with me whenever you see it on the screen. I'll still say ready, read, but we're just reading together just a little bit. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll uh, written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. Now, I, I want to just stop already there, and I think that I, I just realized I need to give you context for Revelation 5. And, 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 and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something uh, that's a little bit of a reading, but I feel like I have to help you not be afraid of Revelation because the Bible interprets the Bible. And let me show you exactly where 
John is. In Revelation 1, John the apostle is visited and he is invited into a revelation about who Jesus Christ is. In chapter 4, explains exactly where they're at. Go to chapter 4, verse 1. Just let's read a little bit of it so you could just get a sense of where he's at. John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. So now you know what's about to happen in chapter 5 that we're going to be reading. John is about to come up to heaven and get a revelation of what's going to take place. Verse 2, and at once I was in the Spirit. So this is not him in the physical place, but in the spiritual place. He is serving a multidimensional God, and now he's in the spirit realm. And behold, a throne stood open in heaven, and one who was seated on the throne. And he who, verse 3, who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Cordelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. And around the throne was 24 thrones, and seated on these thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments and with golden crowns on their head. And, and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there, were, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind, and the first living creature uh, was like a lion, and the second was living creature was like an ox, and the third living creature was having the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around within them day and night, never cease saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There seems to be that in this heaven there is people, there are angels, there's thro the throne of God, there's adoration, there's declaration that He is holy. Everything around God is holy. Every person beholds His glory. And it's holding it. John is invited into a place like this. Now let's go back to chapter 5 and see what happens in the second verse. Remember, one seated on the throne and he had in his hand a scroll with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seal. The first thing you recognize in this scripture is that there is a search for someone to help. There is a search for someone to solve a challenge. There is a search even in this magnificent place, in this powerful place, in this holy place, in this perfect place, with every provision that you can imagine, there is a search going on. Remember, the book of Revelation is about revealing or showing or uncovering something about Jesus. I wonder 
if you are willing like they were to search or to seek for him. The Bible says those that seek him find him. I know that you're looking at a world that seems to not seek God anymore. And therefore, they don't have heroes showing up because they've got hero fatigue. But now when they seemingly are in heaven with a problem, they seek for him. Now, you might be saying, well, I haven't heard a problem. Well, no one was worthy to open the seal. Now, the seal in their hand was basically in God's hand on the throne. The seal represents the title deed to the earth. This seal represents God's right to it and his right to purge it, his right to judge it, his right to have it, his right to deal with it. Now, in the scroll, there was things written on the inside, and there's something that's a summary statement on the outside. I believe that the summary statement on the outside of the, of the sealed scroll is what gave John trouble. See, on the outside, it said the judgment of the Lord, the, the fulfillment of prophecy of the Lord, the end of all evil. Um, it said, uh, it, outside of it, it said, though, the, the, those who are born again could reign with him forever. It's a summary statement. And if in the summary statement in God's hand is, here's what I'm finally going to deal with your lust. Here's what I'm finally going to deal with your evil. Here's what I'm finally going to deal with the world who has been full of evil people. From this seat of power, all those who tried to take over the world and harm the world, all with evil intentions, every, here's the judgment for all of those. And no one was found worthy to get that judgment executed. Within this scroll was the exaltation of those who believed. It was, it was the exaltation of those who were coming up. And no one was found worthy. You know, when no one's found worthy, it means that they, they, they had to search. No angel, as powerful as they are, was worthy. No demon, as powerful as they are, were worthy. None of the 24 elders, the human beings sitting on thrones with their own level of power, were worthy. Because no one could be found with the titling and the power, though they were searching. You know, in times of trouble, we search for a hero. And it is not inappropriate to... Go and search out your doctor if you need healing, or a lawyer if you need a breakthrough, or a teacher if you don't have understanding, or a pastor if you need comfort. There's no, no problem with searching out these heroes, but they will come up short in the search. Verse 3, go, go on to verse 3 here. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look in. No one had the power to open it. No one had the title or the authority to open it. No one that you know can actually solve the scene. You know, typically what happens, even when you look on the outside and you look for people to, or angels or some force to help you do something, no one can do it. You start looking to yourself. If no one else can do it, I'll do it. No one else can do it, I'll do it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look in. 
I mean, when you, the person, when God's got your answer, God's got your deliverance, God's got your breakthrough, God's got your exaltation for your humiliation, God's got judgment for all those who have done evil and who are doing evil and practicing it. God's got everything you need and you can't get to it and you're needing a breakthrough. This John broke down. Because he, he's, he's close to everything that he ever dreamed of, but he can't get the full breakthrough and he break down. And the Bible says he started crying out loud. <laughs> I don't know if you can remember the last time you had a bitter cry when you realized there was nothing you could do and that you were powerless. I'm so glad that they were seeking for him because powerless feelings should make you seek him. The Bible says those that seek him, find him. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call, and I'll answer your call by showing you great and mighty things that you know of. He said, ask, and he that asks and keep on asking, find who that seeks and keep on seeking. He, he that knocks and keeps on knocking, the doors open. That's what happens when we seek. Verse 5, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Here's someone, an elder, uh, someone sitting on a throne, um, someone with authority, someone we would assume with life experience, someone who had witnessed a lot of things on earth and witnessed a lot of things on heaven, someone who had seen people coming to help and coming up short, someone who's already done the comparisons and, and the like, someone that already knew that we needed to be searching because if we searched long enough that we would see him. And, and he said, well, hold on, don't, 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 don't weep, don't cry. Heaven is not about crying. If you feel like you need to cry when, when, when you're in, in heaven, something is wrong. He said, wait, 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 don't weep. There's got to be an answer. I know that 2020 told you that you need to weep and there is no answer. There is no revelation. But remember, everything that John was told was behold or, or, or to look or, or, or to see or, or let it be revealed to you. There is an answer. He said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll. There's someone with the right title from the right heritage, with the right lineage, um, uh, with the right prophetic words that's been spoken over him, who didn't just show up uh, and, and, and talk the good talk, didn't just show up and say, oh, well, 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 what are we going to do, y'all? He showed up and he conquered. He, he got victory. He, he became an overcomer. Um, he overcame death, hell. Uh, the grave, uh, sin, uh, iniquity. He, he conquered because he, he, he never had any sin or guile or anything in him. He, he's a victor. This is from where from we get the word Nike, N-I-K-E, Nike, victor, overcomer. This is, this is it. He, he is the greatest victor. Here he comes. You can see him now so that he can open the scroll. When you seek him, you find him who is a deliverer. You find him who is the answer. You find him who has the right title and the right power. He has the right notoriety and the ability. Seeking him is never in vain. And I know you may have spent the year thinking that church attendance was futile. That reading your Bible was futile. That praying really didn't matter. 
But I've got great news to you that when you seek him, you will eventually see him clearly. This is about a revelation of getting a clear picture about who Jesus is. He's got the right title in the right place, and he is powerfully seated at the right hand of God the Father with the Holy Spirit present. Glory to God. And, and six, verse six says this way. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw the lamb standing. Not the lamb sitting. To me, if he would be sitting, it would denote that, that he was done being active. He was done doing work. But the Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's there at his post doing work for humanity. He, he is there standing ready to help you. There's one thing to be searching for a hero. It's another thing for that hero to exist and then be on vacation when you needed him. See, when you seek him, you will eventually see him. And man, if you can see him, you see someone great. You see your answer. Now, when you see him, here, here's what it, And between the throne and the living creatures among the elders, I saw the lamb standing as though he had been slain and and, and he had horns uh, and seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out among the earth. In other words, he was standing in the place that God stand because he was God. He was standing with God the Father on the God throne. God the Holy Spirit is represented with the seven horns and the seven spirits sent out. He was showing you that he was fully God and yet fully man, and with all power and with all authority, not in competition with the power in the throne of God, but same in essence, same in nature, same in authority, but distinct in his responsibility to save humanity. Oh, glory to God. He see, and he went and took the scroll from the hand who him who was sitting on the throne. You know, the Bible says he showed up as a, not just a lion, but a lamb. You know, all of the world, we always, all of Israel missed the Messiah coming uh, because they had a picture of how they wanted him to show up and they couldn't see it. They couldn't imagine that someone that was prophesied about that he was a lion would actually be a lamb. A lamb was someone who was brought to the slaughter. A lamb was a pet. Remember, you know, this morning sacrifices in the temple, in the evening sacrifices, you know, that, that they, would, they would pick a, a lamb about four days before and they would care for the lamb, bring it in, in the house for four days and it would be their pet. And then it would be slaughtered. It would be slaughtered because uh, for the sins of the people that could never take away their sins, but it could only cover their sins. It could only appease for a, a moment. There, there, there needed to be a, a lamb that was pure that could remove sin and, and blot it out for eternity. And he was that lamb. Sometimes our hero did not show up in the way we wanted. Remember, they wanted a hero um, in, in, on Palm Sunday when he rode in on the donkey, they had determined the type of hero they want to save us now. They wanted someone who could save them from political power, from slavery, from abuse. They wanted to be saved physically now their way. 
But what God believed we needed in this world was a lamb slain. You needed the ultimate answer to every vice and every evil that you could have ever experienced. You need a lamb slain. And perhaps if you receive everything else you want and you don't receive the lamb slain, you've received nothing at all because you have no answer for your sins. You have no answer for what separates you from God. He was a lamb slain, and, and that's the best news that you could ever receive. And I know that there's a lot of things that compete with that good news. Christmas is a great example. There is the, the, the giving of physical gifts. There's the commercialism, and there's, there's all of the, the fanfare that says this is the happiest time of the year, but somehow the birth of Christ is crowded out by all of the other things, and it is the greatest news that, that he came and lived a sinless life, and, and, and God, the Word of God became flesh, and, and he, he lived the life we should have lived, and then he died on the cross to die, death we should have died. He was a lamb slain. And, uh, and uh, he, he became, he wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And he was a sheep before his shears is dumb. He didn't open his mouth. He laid down his life to redeem. He was a lamb slain. I know that you want your hero to have a cape. I know that you want your hero to have muscles ripping around, but when I hear the description of the Savior, he, wasn't, he had no form or comeliness. He was not an attractive person. He was not somebody that could distinguish himself from the crowd. In fact, you, you, the only distinguishing marker is that he was common. And maybe you're not looking for a common Jewish Savior that's really the Word wrapped in flesh, the Son of God and the Son of Man. Maybe you weren't looking for him to save in this way, but I'm glad he did, and you have to be glad he did. Maybe you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, it's okay. Maybe you're not getting what you want out of life, it's okay, because the one thing that you need to hear above everything else is about Jesus, and maybe you're going through some problems in your marriage and the problems at work and problems with loneliness and problems with, with, with different types of things ailing your body, and you got all types of problems, and you need a hero, but I'm telling you that that hero is a lamb slain, and he's more than enough. He's more than able to deliver you from your sin-sick condition and then provide you benefits, great and precious promises of healing, of deliverance, of breakthrough. But you need to know it is the good news about Jesus first. Can you see him? Because when you search for him, you get to see him. That's what John was getting. He was getting the revelation of Jesus. He was getting clarity about who Jesus was. He was seeing him in his high and exalted place. Okay, let's go on to verse, uh, I believe, 8. And when he had taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I love this particular verse. I think that we, we could miss a revelation if we move too fast that there seems to be that beings like angels who do heroic things were there. They were the renowned heroes. When you can point in the Bible, angels showing up and doing just amazing things. I imagine that the 24 elders who sit on the throne, which the Bible doesn't identify exactly who they are, who they are. we don't want to get into that part of the, the message, but I would assume they're men of renown, men of power. If we want to name some heroes, there they are. 
If we want to name some people with some accomplishments, there they are. I mean, John himself. I mean, even get the privilege of the revelation. I would just assume that you was doing something good. Hey, you were the person that was delayed on Jesus. You were the person who, 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 who was able to take care of Jesus. You was the, everybody abandoned Jesus and you didn't. Surely you have some credibility and, and some power, but all of them in concert upon seeing the greatest revelation that the world has ever known, that he is worthy to take the scroll, to take the judgment, to take the title deed, that he's earned the right to be the overseer of all humanity and to, and to execute judgment because God the Father executes no judgment. All the judgment has been transferred to the Son. He is the only one that is worthy enough to eradicate all of the evil. And, and, and they demonstrate this through an act of worship by laying down all of their capes laying down all of their accomplishments, laying down all of their victories, laying down all of their strength, laying down all of their goodness, and they begin to just throw all that down at his feet. They take the greatest strength they have, the greatest uh, things that they possess and say, he's worthy of it all. When's the last time you gave Jesus absolutely everything that, that, that he deserves? And I know, that, I know that when I think about my worship, sometimes I don't think about giving God everything, but I realize there's a correlation. If I don't see him, I will not worship him with everything. And, but if I see how great a salvation this is, there is no limit to what I'll give him in worship. There is no limit to how much he gets my mind. There is no limit to how much he gets my emotion. There's no limit to how he gets my possessions. There's no limit to how he gets my accomplishments. He gets everything because he alone is worthy. When you seek him, you seek him, and now you can worship him. You lay it at his feet. You no longer see yourself as the hero. You no longer see the angels as the hero. You no longer see humanity who has gone before you as a hero. You see him as a hero and you surrender everything to him. He alone is worthy. And you don't just, uh, you don't just know it and, and kind of sit there in a stoic way when you see him and, and just say in your mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, go back to, to, to verse 8. Verse 8 shows you that, 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 that the 24, they laid this down and they're, they're holding these, these harps. The harp always was present in prophecy throughout the Old Testament. I don't have time to go into this. It's as if they're worshiping with the revelation that every Old Testament prophecy, every Old Testament scripture, every inspired word has come true in this moment. They're recognizing that the prophetic voice of the Lord is active, is alive and well. And I know that the enemy gets you and I to try to doubt God's prophetic intent because there seems to be delay on his heroism, uh, his superhero power coming in to save you. And somehow we begin to discredit that, that, that we're more than a conqueror in Christ or discredit that we can do all things through Christ. We begin to discredit the work that he's done. But I'm telling you right now, the harps represented an act of worship signifying the prophecy in the, in the bowl of incense, which is the prayer of the saints. Don't, aren't you glad 
that God doesn't lose your petition? Aren't you glad that somehow your very petition is on the altar of God before the work of God? That you've been thinking that your hero forgot you? You've been thinking that the list was too long? You've been thinking that he hasn't solved it? He's got everything noted and he's got your answer in his hand with all power. And it may not be coming when you want it, but when you see him, you know that it's a done deal because he's a promise-making, prophetic God who keeps the promises and makes the prophecies come to pass. He's got your prayers. He's got them in his hand. Hallelujah. Whatever you need to feel delivered, he's got it. Whatever you need to feel that you're loved and there's a breakthrough, God has it. Hallelujah. Verse 9, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you have ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation." I want you to know that I don't know that, that, that the Bible ever talks about angels singing. We, we always talk about heart to arrow angels sing, but it does talk about them speaking. They speak holy, holy, holy. So it's unclear in Revelations that the morning star sang and in this moment as if all of the angels and everybody is singing or saying, but, but, but this song, which it is a song or a poem or an ode, is a song of redemption. It is very personal. He ransomed me. He paid it. It's very personal. You see, when your superhero actually shows up, when you see that even if you haven't been physically delivered, the promise maker, prophecy giving God is actually coming through. When you actually see it, when you actually see that the most important thing that can happen in your life is that you receive the free gift of salvation through the sinless lamb who was slain for you, will you sing, what can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So I love him. You just begin to praise him because you realize your hero has come. The Bible says in verse 11, we're almost done here. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders a voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, or because they had no greater 10,000 times 10,000. This is millions of angels. Everything that seeks him and sees him begins to worship him. All those other heroes saying, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I never let a praise moment escape me. Verse 12, 
They say it with a loud voice. You notice throughout this message, I've gotten loud because once I was able to see in the Scripture that heaven is loud. It's got instruments, it's angels, everybody's talking, and they're talking about Jesus. It's all right to be a little loud if you've got something worth saying. And if you're going to say he's holy, then say it loud. He's holy. If you're going to say he's worthy, then say it loud. He's worthy. If you're going to say he's good, say he's good all the time. Whenever you see somebody praising God, you need to join in because he's your lamb slain for you. He paid your ransom. It is personal. With a loud voice, when you've been delivered from your troubles, when you've been delivered from your lust, or you've been delivered from your pain, or whatever ails you, and God's not going to charge you, he's going to cast your sins as far as the east is from the west and let you live with him forever, rule and reign with him, seated you in heavenly places. My God, you begin to praise him. And you don't care if you get to running a little bit in heaven. Everybody say, they running. I'm going to join you. You're not a spectacle. You are someone who sees clearly. Verse 13, two verses left. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And all that is in them say, that, 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 that is Somebody may be saying, what does all this include? Well, that means everything. That's what it's saying, everything. Every created thing, the hill, the mountain, the sun, the moon, the stars, the things under the earth, the things in the earth, in heaven. Everybody say, well, we all go jump in on this. This is too good. They said, to him who sits on the throne... And to the Lamb, look at all creation identifying he's fully God and fully man sitting on the throne. He's got the place of authority. See, in verse chapter 4, only God the Father was praised and worshipped. But now there's a clear revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and he's being worshipped. And to the Lamb be blessings and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is not a temporary praise. You don't have a temporary hero. This is not an occasional experience. His ability to preserve you, to keep you, and to save you lasts beyond time. It's not going to expire. Your place with God is not going to expire. He's made you a kingdom of priests and kings that get to live with him in this holy place. This is not going to run out. Verse 14 is our last verse. And the four living creatures said, amen. That's called an amen corner. The people in heaven, sometimes the praise is so good, everybody's joining in. Somebody said, this is good. Amen. I agree with you. Amen, Gabriel. Amen, Michael. Amen, elders. Amen, living creatures. Amen, people below. Amen, animals. All of y'all who are praising God because he is redeemed, this is a good thing. 
All the creation groans and waits for the manifestation of the sons. In other words, they're waiting for that scroll to be taken so that God can eradicate the evil that is on the earth and he can give us to reign and rule with him for all eternity because of the lamb. Everything is waiting on this. And they say, amen. And they fell down again and worshiped him. You and I were created to worship. You and I were created to surrender. Stop being so myopic and so self-centered that all you see is your problems and you don't see him seated on the throne dealing with your problems. I know you had a debate whether Iron Man was greater or whether, whether Captain Marvel could beat all of your enemies and all of them combined. Every Avenger combined could not do what Jesus Christ could do. All of the billions of people who have ever existed could not do what Jesus Christ could do. All the angels that exist couldn't do what Jesus, the people who believe in the universe and all all the power of the universe, the universe can't do what Jesus do. And if you wrap all of those things together, he is the only one who is worthy. He is the only one that cares. He's the only one with the authority. He's the only one that deserves the praise. He's the only one that really, really, really loves you. He's the only one that can bring peace, can bring joy, can bring light, can bring life, can give happiness, can give you children, can give you possessions, can give you everything you need that pertains unto life and godliness. He alone is worthy of praise. He alone is worthy of glory. He alone is worthy of honor. He alone is worthy of strength. He alone should be magnified and glorified and lifted up high. He alone has done it all for you. He's got you the victory. He's given you the victor's crown. He's given you the ability to throw it off. He even gives you the power to give praise, praise and glory and honor be to the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I got eyes to see my king. I got ears to hear my king. And he is worthy. 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 He is worthy of all the praise. Thank you for saving me, God. Thank you for delivering me, God. Thank you for setting me free, God. Thank you for dealing with every one of my enemies and making this world a better place. I give you praise and glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Woo! You were created to spend your days in this world praising God. So the next time you're at work and you feel some turbulence, he alone is worthy. I thank him. He got that covered. The next time the enemy tells you that this is the moment that you're going to separate from your spouse and get the divorce, this is the time of year that happens. They say, no, yeah, he, he, he got that covered. He alone is worthy. The next time your body has an ailment that tells you that this is your moment to exit the earth, say, he alone is worthy and, and he's giving me some benefits. And when all else fails and you lose hope for life because it looks like it's the end, you want to weep and cry because you just can't see a way out. and You just want to end it all. I pray that someone would treat you like John was treated in heaven. Say, oh, 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 don't weep like that. Look. God, give them eyes to see. Look. The lamb who was slain, he deserves the power and the glory. He takes away the sin of the world. You've got hope. You've got purpose. You've got victory because he overcame the world. So can you.
Give God praise and glory. I don't care where you're at in your house. I don't care if you give him a little silent praise. You cannot have this revelation and not give him glory. This is beyond what you feel at home, whether it's proper or improper. Sometimes you just need to give him glory. Just let the devil know nothing's going to stop my praise. Let your family know I've been designed to praise. Break out of your stoic nature. Break out of that nature that tells you that, you know, it's improper. I'm waiting for the perfect moment. There, the perfect moment to praise him is when you see him. When you see him, you worship him. When you see him, you glorify him. I don't care if you're in your car, you just raise one hand and keep one on the steering wheel. I don't care if you're at home, maybe you need to get up and spin around a little bit and just declare everything in my house praises God. Everything in my mind praises God. If the angels can praise him, I'll praise him. I won't wait on rocks to cry out for me. I cry out to my God alone. He is worthy of my dignified praise. He is worthy of my undignified praise. Hallelujah. Live this life in praise and worship to God. Live out the rest of this year in praise and worship to God. And don't let the adversary dictate to you what life is going to bring. God has already set your day. God has already set your morning. God has already given you the victory. So walk in the victory today. Walk in the victory in your home. Walk around your house and declare the victory. Even if you sinned last night, declare that through Jesus Christ, I've been washed, I've been purged, I've been set free. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That's the greatest gift during this Christmas season. It's not just that he was born. It's not just that he lived a sinless life. It's not just that he died a death in our place. It is not even just that he was raised from the dead. It's that he took the power to get rid of sin, but exalt all those who believe in him at the same time. Stand to your feet. Oh, yeah, my Oh, he loves you. You know what you're supposed to do in this moment? Say, I refuse to be excluded from this praise. But one of the proofs that you see him is that you see what he's done for you. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. He would lay down his life, see me redeemed, brought back from sin, brought to life. The Bible says, whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And maybe you don't know everything you need to know about the Christian faith. And maybe you've been around church your whole life. And, and maybe you've never really fully understood how great a salvation is. But I encourage you today to call on the name of the Lord. In fact, even if you're at home, bow your head and everybody's going to just say it together. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you, a Savior. I believe you lived a sinless life. I believe you died in my place. I should have died, but you died. But I also believe that God raised you from the dead. 
And I now confess as you offer me this great salvation, I confess you Lord of my life. I follow you not just for life, but for eternity. And just like everything in heaven gives you everything, everything I have is yours. My heart is yours. My mind is yours. My body is yours. My possession is yours. I'm, I'm ending this year saying, I'm yours. Some of you even just rededicated your life when you heard that prayer. If you're in the chat, I just want you to say, that was me. Whether you're getting born again for the first time or you just need to say, that was me. I received that. I, I received this salvation. I receive it. Live your life worshiping. Live your life seeking Him, then seeing Him, which leads you to worship Him. God bless us as we leave this place, but not your presence. Keep us in the center of your will and as the apple of your eye, and we'll give you praise for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God praise at home. Give God praise in this place. We love you. We look forward to seeing you next week or at New Year's Eve service. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>